hair care, deodorant, shaving cream. In the business sector too, it's air conditioning and fridges. It's things like that, things you wouldn't really think about. You're, you, you are obviously aware they contribute, but the sizable contributions they actually make perhaps sometimes is lost on you. And then, most interestingly of all, there's the issue of squirty cream. was reporter David Conway and I'm news editor Fiona Potney. You might be wondering why we've started this week's podcast talking about hair care products, fridges and squirty cream. It's because this week we've been looking at Jersey's greenhouse gas emissions. Greenhouse gases are any type of gases that trap heat in the atmosphere and contribute to the planet heating up. New stats were released this week revealing how many tonnes of emissions Jersey has been pouring into the atmosphere over the 30-year period between 1990 and 2019. They were compiled in a government report that will be sent to the UK, added to its stats, and then reported to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change to form part of a global picture. On a local level, at a time when the island is more conscious than ever of its footprint, the report gives us a good sense of how green Jersey is, both on a big scale, in terms of transport and electricity, and on a much smaller scale, such as how our personal care routines and even dessert topping choices have an impact. Reporter David Conway has been digging deep into the stats. I spoke to him about the report and started by asking him about Jersey's largest source of greenhouse gas emissions. So if we go back to 1990, both energy and transport uh, actually sat equally as the largest um, estimated emitters. Um, They were around a third of the total each. But um, then when the uh, Normandy 2 cable was um, installed, which brought energy from France into the island, um, this changed dramatically um, as France was now producing the majority of the island's energy. So um, if we look in 2019 now, um, energy supply is only taking up 12% of emissions, uh, whereas transport is still taking up now um, nearly half. Wow. Why is that? Um, Well, we've got now... um, 180,000 tonnes of carbon uh, dioxide equivalent in transport at the moment. And a big chunk of that, 68,000 tonnes of that, is coming from um, passenger cars, so everyday cars. And what about other forms of transport? Well, um, secondly, and perhaps unsurprisingly, um, domestic aviation is the second largest emitter, um, according to these estimates. Um, This doesn't include international flights, it's just those going to the UK, the Crown Dependencies and other home territories, and that makes up 57,000 tonnes of the CO2 equivalent. Um, One area that also seems to be increasing quite a fair bit is heavy-duty buses, which have nearly doubled from 13,000 tonnes to 33,000 tonnes from 1990 to 2019. So as you've just touched on, the the stats, they go all the way back to 1990. What trends have we observed? From an energy perspective, uh, which I already mentioned before, it's just really interesting to see how much of an impact that cable had on Jersey and the way it approaches electricity, energy. You know, in 2019, only around 2% of Jersey's energy supply was actually produced on island, which was between the energy recovery facility and the solar panels. Um, It also just becomes clear how reliant we are on external um, sources, uh, especially when you look at this period between 2012 and 2014, when the island's cable to France 
was faulty and there's just this massive spike in energy usage because of course we are suddenly having to generate our own so um, to sum up really the scale of decrease as a result of external power coming in it's worth just going back again to that 1990 to 2019 figure where you'll see we've reduced producing our own energy by 77 percent so energy and transport seem quite obvious polluters. We know about them, you know, globally, um, everyone's trying to uh, deal with those as issues. But what else is having an impact in Jersey specifically? Well, one of the smaller ones, but really interesting when you think about it, is that 6% of emissions have been caused from agriculture. And the majority of those emissions actually come from the animals themselves in what is referred to as, rather fancily, enteric fermentation which in a rather more vulgar way means burping and farting cows. And uh, yeah, no, um, if you look at that, though, again, farming isn't what it was in some respects. Um, it's, it's obviously evolved over time. And again, emissions have evolved with that, too. When you look at the sector has actually reduced by 17 percent again from 1990 to 2019. And a lot of that in the report was put down to declining numbers of dairy cattle between 2000 and 2005. And if you look at the chart again, that's when you'll see that decline happening. So moving to a slightly different area, what impact uh, do our processes for managing waste have on our emissions? So again, that's really interesting because it's one of those smaller ones. Again, there's, there's a couple which we'll come to which are a bit more of a bigger contributor but this one within that small figure gives some of the most interesting indication about lifestyle changes on the island overall. So um, waste management is entirely made up of the domestic wastewater treatment. Um, that's that's all it measures. And while it's only a small amount at 3% in terms of the overall contribution to emissions, the actual increase since 1990 on wastewater emissions has been 35%, which, you know, is... Um, is, is really significant and also steadily aligned with the population growth on the island which again points to the bigger picture that all of these emissions are tied into and really it's quite relevant even today you know we've had the environment minister come on talk about um, the fact we still haven't got a population policy saying it's a disgrace so all of these emission issues are tying into conversations that are happening right now decisions that are being made that are really really pertinent We've been talking here about really big picture kind of topics, you know, whole industries, industrial processes, the, the issue of transport, which is massive <laughs> and, a, and a huge one to kind of deal with. Are there any smaller things that are contributing? Well, the thing is, like, the, this report is split up into sectors. So you'll see, you know, um, some of the bigger contributors are the residential sector with 21%, you know, and that, a lot of that's heating, etc. And then the business sector, which is 15%. But within that, those sectors, there's all these slightly smaller, more um, esoteric categories. So, you know, you'll, you'll look at the residential se sector and it'll name drop things like hair care, deodorant, shaving cream, and in the business sector too, you know, it's, it's, it's air conditioning and fridges. It's things like that, things you wouldn't really think about. You're, you, you are obviously aware they contribute, but, you know, the sizable contributions they actually make perhaps sometimes is lost on you. And then, most interestingly of all, there's the issue of squirty cream. Okay, what's the relevance of squirty cream? <laughs> so the report has this really quite odd section, which is... Um, sort of labelled um, industrial um, processes and you know that makes you you think of big churning factories 
And then you look and it's 0.02%. You think, well, hang on, that, that, that can't possibly be big churning factories. And what becomes apparent when you actually read it is that it is entirely measuring. There must be some sort of um, requirement for it to be recorded separately. Um, it's entirely measuring um, the nitrous oxide that's used as a propellant in squirty cream. So this is all calculated on cream consumption. Um, but it's really interesting because it does just show how even these these minute mundane day-to-day -day activities and processes are contributing. But 95 tons, you know, it, it may not seem in that broader context huge, but it's, it's 95 tons of CO2 equivalent soon. That's big. Absolutely. We, we know that Jersey has a, a target of going carbon neutral by 2030. Is there anything um, that's, that's going on as part of that um, ambition, that initiative um, that could help reduce our carbon emissions? Well, it's interesting. I mentioned before about the really sizable increase in emissions coming from buses and trucks in particular. And um, there doesn't seem to be a shortage of ideas for solutions in regards to buses. You know, a few weeks ago um, for another piece, I spoke to a number of people who've been giving ideas, whether that be by ethanol powered buses, hydrogen powered buses or electric buses. So, you know, I spoke to a gentleman about bioethanol, um, you know, um, which is this this fuel touted as an option um, that's been maligned by certain oil companies previously, but which he says has great potential and that all it's got on this exhaust is what the fuel that's been burnt produces, that's neutral CO2 and water vapour. So there's, there's someone trying to push that at the moment. Similarly, then I talked to another gentleman who spoke about the benefits of hydrogen power and highlighted how Aberdeen has introduced hydrogen buses into their unit really rather successfully. And um, while we've got MIDI buses over here, so they're, they're very unique models and there hasn't actually been a hydrogen bus created, it's something that's being worked on and, again, can be seen as foreseeable within the next few years and perhaps before that 2030 date. Um, when it came to actually talking to Kevin Hart, who's the head of Liberty Bus, about all these ideas, um, he said that six buses are currently equipped to use um, biodiesels. So these are these still give off some emissions. They're sort of seen, he, he described it as a stepping stone rather than the final goal. Um, but he said there hadn't been anything he'd been presented with yet that was suitable for Liberty buses due to a number of reasons, which includes size, suitability to Jersey's quite unique roads. And um, he claimed they were still looking for that, though they did... Um, I think around la end of last month, um, bring in another electric bus um, from China. Um, and it remains to be seen what the results of that trial around that were and whether they'll be looking to go electric or whether they'll be looking towards some of the other options I touted just mm. there. Well, we know that, uh, as you spoke about earlier, passenger cars seem to be a really big issue. I mean, that was the key thing within transport that seemed to be contributing. So what's being done about that? You know, looking more broadly, again, bigger picture thinking here, there's also the recommendations of the Citizens' Assembly, which was a group of islanders who were selected to be presented with evidence regarding climate change and then make a series of recommendations based upon what they found. And um, one of their main recommendations was actually going as far as to stop registering fossil fuel cars by 2025 with a target for completely wiping out emissions by 2030. So there's that um, recommendation, which has obviously been rather controversial uh, when it's reached, you know, there are, there's been this spark debate about its feasibility, whether it should be done. And what um, about on a uh, political level? Is there anything else that was recommended 
to try and push forward this uh, this carbon neutral agenda that might help reduce our emissions? Well, um, they've also recommended the appointment of a minister for energy uh, no later than 2022, as well as um, actually changing building laws and altering them to incorporate carbon neutral standards by 2023. So there's all these ideas going on in the background, all of these ideas that are being floated. But really what remains to be seen now and really the only thing that can be done is that the government take these recommendations and do something with them. It's all very well having ideas floating around in the ether and me talking to you about them and saying these exist. So really it's about taking what we've seen and discussed here today and actually making some firm decisions on it. Thank you, David. David's full in-depth analysis of Jersey's greenhouse gas emissions can be found on our website. You can sign up to read it and access lots of other exclusive insight content and offers by heading to bailiwickexpress.com premium. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like and share. It all helps. The title and end music is I Shift My Weight by Luno. More next week. 